Thanks for joining me in Chef Beast Sandbox. I'm April Dawn Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Chelsea Sherman. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is episode number 57. Chelsea is a photographer and brand designer. And what's really cool about this is that I know absolutely nothing besides that. And so I love just diving right in and getting to know uh, your story and what it is that you do, what, what your passions are and what lights you up. And because I feel that those are the ways that we are meant to, I don't know, serve, serve the world around us is by our passions. So I can mention the way that we met. Well, first of all, what came to me as a recommendation was the podcast uh, 12th House. And so I listened to that. And then, of course, that's part of the Holisticism Hub um, umbrella. And they had a link to that community, the Holisticism Hub community in their show notes. So I clicked on that. It's free to sign up. And it promised connecting with other vibrant souls. So that's exactly why I signed up. And I have found um, quite a few, I'd say mostly women. I mean, it's not exclusive to women only, but mostly it's women on there. And so I have uh, come across a lot of women who are doing some amazing things. And so uh, we're about to find out a little bit more about Chelsea and what she is offering. So, um, Part of this whole getting to know each other, this first segment is called Let's Grab a Drink. So we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order is on me. So what order do you give the barista? Ooh, it depends on what kind of coffee house it is, but... Um, this one, it has like anything and everything. It doesn't even have to be coffee. So, yeah, I would probably get like a an oat milk flat white would be my drink of choice. <laughs> awesome. I'm 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 loving the oat milk as well. When I go, just say to Starbucks and I get a drink, it's usually a black and white mocha with oat milk, decaf yeah. as well. I I can't do the caffeine much anymore, but. Okay, great. Well, now that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. Sometimes living one's purpose and going through this human experience can look like playing small, but other times it can look like playing big. So in your spotlight moments, Chelsea, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? Oh, well... Probably not. I'm still waiting to strike it big. Um, and that's definitely been something that I've been working on more personally. I think as a, I don't know if you talk about human design a lot, but oh yes, I'm a projector in human design. So part of being a projector is also being seen for your work. And I've, I feel like I work a lot in the background and put my things out there and I don't really know if they get seen or not but I think probably the project that I have in mind that 
I think got the most traction in the last couple of years was during the pandemic when we were locked down. I was in Barcelona living there and we were like really locked down, not even allowed to leave the house to go outside. And I decided to do a photo project based on the Jungian archetypes. So I did mm. self-portraits as each of the 12 archetypes. And then I created like a little profile on each one, including like a playlist that kind of went along with the theme. And then each day for 12 days in a row, I would post these and share them. And this was when everyone was, you know, stuck at home. And I was hoping it'd be like a way to connect with people and, um, and share some of the work that I was doing too. So that was probably like the one I can think of. Okay, awesome. So I will also men mention that the Holisticism Hub, they have what are called uh, freebie Fridays, I think. It's where people will um, post something that they're offering for free. And as soon as you said that, I remembered that I had taken you up on that. You had posted a link to your Spotify playlists with the archetypes. And so I have definitely favorited that, but I haven't, I guess I got distracted and I haven't gone back to actually listen to a particular playlist. And I think that could be because I really wouldn't know where to start, like with what archetype. Do you have any suggestions as to how someone could identify what archetype they might identify with initially? Yeah, I mean, I think we all embody multiple archetypes at once. And I think they kind of shift and change throughout our lives. But I think if there's one that you're hoping to connect with, you could find that by thinking about what's something in your life that you want to be like working towards or calling in, um, whether that's like maybe being more prolific in the art that you create. So maybe you wanna embody an artist. And I think the Jungian archetypes can be a little bit limiting just because I think they're so uh, like simplified as far as like artist, the mother, the magician, things like that. But I think everyone kind of understands what they are. So I would just say like, if there's something in particular that you want to envision for your life and then being able to use that archetype as a way to kind of make that happen for yourself, that would be a way to connect with one and then maybe explore a little bit deeper. But luckily the playlists aren't like crazy long. So you could also binge a couple and see like what resonates. Because the Holisticism Hub is full of people who are, that have offerings and are putting stuff out there and making things happen out in the world, it can feel a little overwhelming because there, there can be too much to be able to pick one and then just focus on that and not get sidetracked. But I had seen that there was some type of live workshop, maybe, I think it's coming up still, I could be wrong, but it was about embodying an archetype or archetypes for the next year. And you did like a vision board of some kind. Do you remember seeing that as well? Yeah. I, had, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and I've I've done that a little bit with holisticism through, um, there's a notion for magical baddies course that's about using notion to plan out content. And that course also kind of based around a similar idea of choosing archetypes for your business and then using that to help plan out your content, depending on like whatever your goals are for that quarter. And 
I think that's kind of nice too to see that there's a difference between like maybe your business has very, very different archetypes than you do personally. And there's also a class that I think is in the liminal library that I taught for holisticism in the summertime and it was branding through the archetypes. So again, similar idea of choosing an archetype and then creating your branding off of whatever archetype you've chosen. What came up for me as you were saying that is, um, I think I've mentioned this once or twice before, but when it comes to parenting, I think the whole idea, okay, I think it was in the last interview I did, um, we were talking about role models and how just stepping into that archetype of a role model, it can be very beneficial because it might not even be something that you yourself would do. But if you're putting your mindset as, okay, I'm a role model, people are looking, then you find yourself acting a little differently, being more of that best self <laughs> um, kind of thing. So it, it just it came, it occurred to me that in parenting, that can often probably be a good thing too with the archetypes. Um, oh yeah, I can see that. And also like playing off of whatever your kid is kind of mirroring to you or reflecting back and like being able to find a balance. I'm sure I have, I'm not a parent myself, but I can imagine it's a, it's a lot of work. So um, yeah, having any like extra tool in your toolkit can't be hurtful. So, Right. So let's go to the next segment. This is called linguistic tag. I love words, loved English growing up. So guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation, something that doesn't get enough play or enough airtime. And the prior guest chose effervescence. So you are tasked to try to somehow fit that into our conversation today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny or something that just resonates with you. So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Um, the first word that came to mind was serendipity. So I guess we'll go with that. <laughs> serendipity. I love that word as well. Okay. I love how you are a photographer and a brand designer. Um, at first I was gonna say, I could see that being challenging as a projector, but at the same time, it would be a perfect fit for a projector because projectors are supposed to be the, that wealth of knowledge, that guru in a sense, with that, that insight to be able to tell people what they need to be doing. We're here to guide others because I, I have identified as a projector myself. I know almost every system uses uh, tropical astrology to determine that. And so in that system, I am a projector, I'm a three, five splenic projector. And so for the past several years, it's been really interesting trying to play and experiment with human design of waiting for the invitation, learning to try and hear that spleen that only speaks once and speaks very softly. Um, but here recently, I'm just keeping an open mind and holding space for other possibilities. I did run my human design chart using a side reel instead. And in that I'm a one, three 
emotional manifesting generator. <laughs> so Interesting. very different, very different. And so when I very first saw that like two weeks ago, like that, that was even a, an option or a possibility. I, my first reaction was to be like, no, and like shut it down. And like, this is what I've known. Oh gosh. But anyway, yes, I'm just trying to hold space for it. And like they say, it is an experiment and maybe I will try life as a, a manifesting generator. <laughs> see what, see what happens. I'm not sure, but yeah, as a, as a projector, it kind of, it, it has sucked trying to wait for the invitation to be really seen and not just seen, but acknowledged, like you were saying, for your worth and what, for what you uniquely have to bring to the table. And mm -hmm. so I have identified with that strongly in that I feel like I have a lot of valuable insight if people were to just ask me. <laughs> um, but the whole strategy of a projector of waiting for the invitation to be seen and acknowledged. I mean, it's so true. Like anytime that I am not waiting for that invitation to say anything, or I'm not waiting to be acknowledged for my worth or my value to that situation, it doesn't land. It doesn't land well. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. I would agree with that too. So as a brand designer, I can see that you would have a lot of that knowledge and expertise to guide people and tell them how to be designing their brand. But as a projector, if you're working solo, um, how do you find your, your marketing strategy to be any different from that of your peers? Yeah, it's... It's definitely hard because I feel like there's not really like a great way to market yourself that's not for like high energy people. It's kind of like the introvert extrovert thing and like being in school and how like so many school projects were always geared toward extroverted kind of people, especially group projects. Oh gosh, um, group projects. Yeah. And it feels kind of the same to me in the marketing perspective. Like I've tried to figure out how could I do it in a more like gentle way or how could I land in the internet space more softly and not be like pushing my stuff out there. But I think what works best for me and it is frustrating sometimes because it's a slower process of getting new clients or like you know, having people um, reach out for different services is to just do what I want to as far as like creating the kind of content that makes me excited. And it's not always every single day. Sometimes it's a little more inconsistent, which maybe is not to my benefit, but when you're running your own business and you're doing all the parts, it's hard, I think, to keep everything going at once. But I found that just putting the work out there in a way that feels good to me and then whoever resonates with it will get in contact and it might not be right away, but it, if it feels better for me, that generally is more effective in general. And I think most of my business comes from word of mouth of other people who have worked with me. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of more of the strategy that I want to lean on is like maybe having a referral program or something like that so that the way it's already working, I can keep that going and and not be putting all this extra effort into like other channels that aren't going to serve me and take up a lot of time. So. Right. My brand designer. <clears throat> at first it seems really simple brand designer but when I think about it is that more along the lines of marketing or along the lines of like creating branding like your logo and like your catchphrase or your motto is it more along the the latter yeah I'm not traditionally trained so I think that there's probably different ways that you can use the language of like being a brand designer or a branding expert or something like that. I choose to say brand design because I'm doing more of the visual aspect of it. And I do do some of the strategy as well, like helping clients with their vision, mission, value proposition, sometimes coming up with a name concept if they're at the very beginning and they don't have a name, that might be part of it, but really helping from the ground up figuring out what the foundation is and then I help them build the visuals off of that so that's yeah like logo sometimes website um color palette all of that stuff Mm. do you have any type of I don't know quiz or psychological profiling that you use on the creators when trying to like say figure out what color palette to use with them Yeah, um, I'm actually working on a quiz right now because I know that those are helpful and especially if people are just curious to see like how it works. But the method that I kind of use right now is to ask what your brand values are. And I have everyone choose three words and you might have more more values than three, but just to try to like keep it nice and clear and succinct. And then I use those three words and I kind of use them to like reverse engineer the archetype idea of being like, okay, what sort of vessel would contain these values and what would be a good visual representation of them? And then I will also use a little bit of color psychology and bring that in if the words have like specific meanings, say for example, someone's word was compassion that to me would be kind of an orangey warm pink because it's a cozy color it's it's like inviting to other people and so that's kind of like how the process works and then I just sort of put the colors together and tweak it and then I also think about what sort of visual elements make sense for whatever those values are And I think that also helps people steer clear of having a hodgepodge of things in their brand. Cause I think a lot of us like a bunch of different things that maybe don't go together. And that's when I've seen a lot of small business owners get really frustrated because they just keep trying all these things and it never looks consistent. So I think when you can use your brand as a way to like think of it as its own entity that has these values and is maybe a specific archetype, it's easier to give it a visual language um, that that might be separate from your own, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it reminds me of this podcast. Um, do you, do you mind if we try that? Like just real quick? Um, sure. I'll have to come up with three words. <laughs> to describe. Yeah. Um, so values, I know are not necessarily what we do. Um, this is like, this is another rabbit hole, but it kind of reminds me of the difference between I was looking at the difference between the rising sign and someone's sun sign. Cause to me, the difference is so subtle that I wasn't getting it. Yeah. And I finally heard a podcast in which it was described that the, you can, you may see it differently. Let me know if you have a, another take on it. Um, but that the rising sign is more of what you do and the sun sign is more of who you are. And so often those two things are indistinguishable. Like, especially if you're doing what you love, you know, they, they kind of, yeah, it's not very distinguishable, but a lot of people, they will see what you do and they think that's who you are, but it's not necessarily the same thing. And mm -hmm. so putting that to the podcast, what I do in the podcast is I do interviews. Um, I will do dream interpretations and I will do just solo rants about different spiritual topics that are important to me at the, at the moment. So those are three things that I do, but would you be looking for three things that I value? Yeah. So it'd be more like um, usually I give a little list of words too, mm, okay. to kind of help you, like you can circle all the ones that resonate and then narrow them down. So it might be helpful with a list, but usually the values are like, like I would say what you do is based off of your values, right? Like the podcast is probably because you value community or communication or something to that effect. Like that would be the value. And then everything in your business kind of branches off of those. Okay. So I would say that curiosity is a value, right? Yeah. Um, spiritual alchemy, would that be like evolution yeah. or like change or something? And mm -hmm. then authenticity slash vulnerability would be my third one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, those are good. Okay, so authenticity, yeah, okay. okay, and then, and curiosity, and what was the third one? Uh, spiritual alchemy, just alchemy. Yeah, so I think just like top of my head, because this process would usually take me like I know. <laughs> a week, <laughs> uh, but just top of my head, like the colors that would come to mind when I'm thinking about those words would be for curiosity, I kind of see either a green or a pink of some kind because it to me curiosity is kind of like a childish color I mean a childish um, like coming back to the inner child to explore your curiosity so the green is kind of like new beginnings or fresh ideas the pink I think is just like that sort of giddy joy that comes along with curiosity for authenticity I think probably some orange, like shade of orange, just because it's an open and inviting color for the most part, depending on like which shade you go for. 
and I feel like it's nice because it's a secondary color so it's like kind of has that language built in of being between things like your authenticity is just you and then for alchemy I would say probably gold because alchemy is actually one of my value words as well and I did my (laughs) brand colors based on the elements so I think gold is a good one for alchemy because that's what alchemy was right like people were trying to make gold out of other substances so yeah I love that thank you and I I hate to put you on the spot like that but I think you did really well and I just feel like that kind of gives people have an idea, just a taste, right? Of what the process entails, as opposed to I'm just a brand designer. And some people might think that that means someone just looking from the outside and saying, okay, this is what you need. And from just going through this really quick exercise with you, it's a lot more interactive from the ground up where the creator is really much involved in in this process. So yeah. And I think my process is probably very different than a lot of other brand designers. And I think because I, I taught myself, I was able to kind of create a formula that worked for me. But I think also if I get stuck on something like I'll pull tarot cards or oracle cards that kind of go in line with that too. And one of the questions I always ask on my questionnaire is what spirit animal you think your brand would be? So I kind of like take all of those things and put them together to create the whole overall picture that's in my head. That's interesting because with the dream interpretation part of it, anytime I have a dream to interpret, I will name it. It's like a sub name for the podcast. I'll do this is an, an ambling bear dreamcast episode. So the bear would be the, um, the spirit animal, at least for the dream interpretation part of it. I hadn't thought about the rest of the podcast, but that's helpful is to kind of think of uh, a spirit animal as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it, it just kind of helps tease out some of those ideas of what the energy of what you're trying to do is. Cause I think a lot of people know what they want to do, but they don't necessarily know like the why I think is sometimes buried so deep that they aren't sure how to vocalize it. So I think by teasing out some of these things about how they want the business to feel helps kind of get more clarity on like, oh yeah, this is the kind of person I'm serving and this is why I'm doing this. So yeah, I like the animal one because I think everyone kind of has an idea of what energy animals have just from observing them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, because you know, schools and everything, they have mascots. Why not? Why not for a business? I mean, that totally makes sense to bring in that, that energy and that archetype in a way um, Mm -hmm. to embody that. So I have uh, branding, you know, not a whole lot, but I have some branding around, I have a logo. Let's just say that I have a logo for the Sheffy Sandbox podcast. And then I have a logo for basically everything else, everything that's not the podcast, whether it's my writing, my articles, that kind of thing. I have a a logo for that, Um, which strangely enough also incorporates an animal in the logo. (laughs) Now I think about it, there's a dragon um, with a a quill in its mouth uh, and a a rose for that. 
So that's interesting. I love that whole idea of um, spirit animals. So back to where I was going with this. So when I was trying to create the logo, um, let me just get your blunt opinion on something, okay? Sure, sure. Sheffy's Sandbox is the name of the podcast. And I have even asked in Akashic Record readings with others, um, should I change the name of my podcast? Because I know we're kind of, we have this messaging that whatever you're presenting needs to be catchy and kind of give an idea of what it is that you're about. And if it's not doing that, then people aren't going to be drawn to it. And at least the last, um, I think I'm only asked about it one time. And then answer was, well, you named it for, you named it that for a reason, right? And it was, yes, it was very personal, meaningful to me, but I am open to that answer changing in the future as to what the name of the podcast should be. Cause I know that even though it was, it was right for me today is right for me yesterday. It might, might be open for change in the future. So that mm-hmm. being said, if you were to come across and work with someone who did interviews, dream interpretation, and then solo episodes, um, Sheffy Sandbox, a good name, <laughs> or should we consider like putting this on the, um, on the, the drawing board here? Well, I think I mean, I see what you're saying about it being catchy and succinct and all of those things, but I feel like the word sandbox with all of the things that you're saying kind of has that like playful tone about it. And I feel like the things that you talk about fit within that. I would say from an outsider's perspective, if you didn't know what the podcast was about already, you're probably not going to find out from the name. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I don't think a lot of podcast names necessarily summarize what they're about. Okay. So I don't know. I think you could, I think you could either just keep playing with that and go full in on that and maybe find some other ways to, I don't know, like name other segments of the podcast kind of based around the name that you've chosen. Um, Just so it all kind of like fits within a theme. But yeah, I I don't think that there's anything that pulls me to say, oh, you should definitely change it. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a, that's a great start. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Yeah, that was, that's one of the most difficult things is first of all, trying to name it. And I Mm -hmm. did, I wanted to incorporate something that like a sandbox where we are able to play and create, um, and invite people into our sandbox to create things. I guess I'm going to use this as an, uh, an opportunity to explain why I named it. I don't know that the listeners have ever heard the story before, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Eric Godsey on one of his podcasts. And I, please forgive me listeners if I have this wrong, but I think he was talking about this visual of how... We're kind of in our existence, we're kind of like on the beach and the beach stretches as far as your eye can see from one to the other. And everyone in the world has their little place on the beach and we're all building 
sandcastles. And we know that the tide will come up and wash whatever it is that we've made out to sea. Like it's going to level everything because we don't live forever. The things that we build or it could be forgotten, you know, if not in the next generation, maybe the generation after that. So what is the purpose? What is the reason behind life? And what he was saying is that his purpose is to just have so much fun and creativity and build this great sandcastle that it inspires the person next to them to build their best sandcastle as well. Full well knowing that, you know, it could be a nothing, like time will will even out everything. But just to make the most of the time that we do have on this planet um, and just inspire each other. And I, I thought that was really beautiful. So when I approached a designer on, on Fiverr.com, I told, I told him what I wanted. Even though I, Sandbox is in the name, it's actually a sandcastle on the beach. And I said, I wanted two shovels because I knew I was going to be having guests come in. Yeah. Um, and, but I only wanted one seagull because whenever we do take that flight, it's very much a solo journey, right? And like, no one can, can go with us in certain ways of life. We kind of have to do parts of our journey alone. And so I wanted one seagull and they came back with two seagulls and I'm like, <laughs> I hated to be so particular, but I kind of needed to be what I wanted and what I asked for because <laughs> I wasn't being just, uh, there was meaning behind it for me, why right. I wanted it specifically like that. And so they corrected it and sent it back to me. And I was like, okay, we're cool. We can go with this. So mm -hmm. I don't know. To me, there, it was a lot of intentionality into the name and the the artwork but it probably doesn't seem like that to anyone else but you know it's not anyone else's podcast either you know I'm the one that that is putting out this this content so um yeah that I love that <laughs> yeah I love that story and I think that that makes it make a lot more sense to me too and I can I can see how even getting some ideas for how you could play with the name a little bit if you wanted to, but I love the connection of sand with, with the dreams part as well. And thinking about the sand in your eyes when you wake up in the morning or like all of those things feel connected by these little grains of sand, like all of the, your topics. Um, so I feel like, yeah, it all makes beautiful sense now. So when you have an idea of what it is, what colors and like symbols, you know, the spirit animal or whatever, and you have all these things, do you actually, do you have like a graphic design skill set where you actually create logos or do you just have the idea, you come up with the idea and you pass that on to someone else to, to create for you? Yes, it's kind of depends I'm not formally trained as a graphic designer either and that's definitely not my strong suit but I I do hand drawn one so I'll I'll draw them by hand and then usually I digitize it after that 
So I've done that for a few. And then I've also done some collaborations where I'll work with another artist that I like and we'll collaborate on the designs if they're a stronger graphic designer. Because I also feel like if it's going to take me 20 hours to do something and it's going to take someone else like one hour to do it, Mm -hmm. then I just feel like it's to everyone's benefit, including my clients. If they can get the thing faster, then I'd rather work with someone. So I try to always ask first if they if they want to have collaboration on it or if they'd rather have a hand-drawn one. And then there's also so many amazing assets that um, are available to purchase online. So sometimes I've done that too, where I'll get a design that's kind of pre-made and then I'll go in and customize it all and make all the colors and the fonts what I've chosen. So there's kind of like a different mix of what I'll do. Let me ask you this. Do you have a specific website building platform or host that you recommend? Yeah, I use Squarespace. I find it to be fairly easy. I think sometimes it's a little bit annoying to use. Um, Okay, I'm just asking because I use Squarespace as well. And part of me loves it. And then another part of me, it's like, it is a little annoying because I don't know if it's the version I have or not, but like if you want to change the color on one page, it like has to change it across the board for all of the pages. And Mm -hmm. I obviously don't have a degree in any kind of digital or online website building anything like that so I could be doing something wrong but yeah it's a little frustrating sometimes that's why I was asking if you have a preference yeah I've used a couple other ones I've used Wix before and WordPress but I feel like both of those are are difficult to make look the way you want to and I think Squarespace is nice just for simplicity and making a really clean beautiful website I think Um, it doesn't have a lot of crazy fancy bells and whistles, but I don't think that's a bad thing because I feel like most of the time a website should just kind of clearly explain what you do and a little about your story and then give people a way to get in contact with you. I don't think it necessarily needs fancy spinning animations and like, you know, some of the other crazy features, but yeah, it can be some of the tools on Squarespace can be a little bit uh, they're just like not super elegant sometimes and it makes it tricky to make something that should seem simple happen but I still think of all the ones I've tried it's the best yeah I, have, I haven't changed yet I mean because it is there's something about it that seems really easy and so I enjoy it too so speaking of a website what it should have I assume you have one what is mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners what your website is yeah, N-A-T-E-L-I-E-R dot co. Okay, I saw that. And is that someone's name or is that French for something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So again, that was like a process of talking about naming and, and all of the things. My The name of my business used to be Bang Bang Studios and it was just photography. And I felt like the name was representing something that I didn't agree with. And 
it just didn't feel like it suited the story I was trying to tell anymore. So um, last year I rebranded and my middle name is Mathiel. And then atelier was something is like the vision for my business to have an atelier, which is like a workshop where people can come in and it can be a physical space where we can be making things and creating photographs and having this kind of studio workshop vibe. So I combined my middle name with atelier and kind of made up a new word. And that's so cool. I didn't know what atelier was, um, but that is so fascinating that you bring that up because just last week I was talking to my brother on the phone and he called me while I was at Starbucks. And the reason why I've been going to Starbucks is I've been trying to experiment with my human design, with my environment and my correct environment in human design is wet kitchens. And so kitchens being where things are happening and going on and you're kind of there at, at the bar where things are happening around you and things are being alchemized or interactions are happening. And so I will, whenever I, I'll just tell myself I'm going to Starbucks, I will take my laptop and I'll, you know, order a drink just to be able to not get kicked out. So I'll order my drink, open up my laptop and then just work on a, a poem usually until I feel like that's as far as I'm going to get for the day or until my drink's done, because then I feel like I don't have a reason to be there anymore. Um, so I was telling my brother why I was there. And he was like, we totally need to come up with this idea, this concept and put it into place of just an, like an open workshop where people are creating in the same space, not necessarily creating together or working together, but just in the same space. Yeah. Like co-working um, creatives mm -hmm. coming together. And so we thought we had something there, <laughs> but apparently yeah. it's already a thing. That's great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all craving that right now too, just with the pandemic and wanting to be near each other. And I, love the idea of co-working spaces but some of them are so exorbitantly expensive that it's like it just doesn't really make sense unless you have a business where you can I don't know justify paying that amount but when you don't get to leave your desk with all your things in it at the end of the day it seems crazy to pay so much to just it's like a coffee house without the coffee <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I was just like envisioning so what he, my brother had come up with was kind of like a matchmaking service of some sort. I don't think he actually said it like that, but yeah, a, a site where people would offer up like their in-home studio or wherever and kind of say what they were open to. Like I would, you know, a, a writer or a painter can come in and share this space. I was just thinking like my ideal space would be um, I love cello music. So yeah. if I could be in the same space where I'm writing or painting with someone practicing their cello, that would be great. That would be amazing. Yeah. I'm just putting that out into the universe. Um, I love that idea. It's all, it's like Airbnb, but for workspace. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess you would just have to, it would take a special kind of person to be willing to open up their home right 
to to who knows what kind of people because <laughs> creatives can be kind of strange birds sometimes um true but it also reminds me I'm so thankful for those kind of people who are brave and like interacting with people because I don't know I have to be in the mood like <laughs> to deal with people and that's why I like Starbucks is that there's no or even I guess a, once I realized what my environment was I was like maybe that's why I like bars so much too or a pub you know I like to be at the bar and not necessarily to be approached by anybody or just but just to like see hear the clatter of the glasses and to feel the mm -hmm. atmosphere and the ambiance and to hear conversations going on. I kind of like that. Um, yeah. And so it kind of made sense once I found out what my correct environment is, but I, I just didn't want it to be so, I like the impersonal feel of it, right? Where Starbucks, I can just go in. No one's going to be like asking me about my day, but that I can go so often that the people will at least know my name. I love that. Right. I love people saying, hi, April, you know, here, here's your order. I love that part, but there's no strangers really trying to hit me up. There's no expectation in a coffee shop to clean up after yourself. There's very little cleanup. The expectations are very clear in a public space. Maybe yeah. that's a better way to phrase it. The expectations are very clear. But whenever you go into someone's private space, there could be a little bit more entanglements. I don't know how to describe yeah. it. Yeah. It oh, I can totally see that. <laughs> yeah, I can totally see that. So we, I don't have it figured out exactly how this would go perfectly, but. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a company that I've used before for photo shoots. It's called My Home Studio. And it's kind of like a similar idea except that you get the space to yourself but it's people with aesthetically pleasing homes that are mm -hmm. renting them out for the day for I didn't know that was a thing that's really cool video shoots yeah and but I feel like you could also rent it just to like work from there if you're like you know I need a nice environment to be in and I think I think photographers do that in Airbnbs as well um, because there are some nice ones on there, but my home studio is nice because it kind of curates them for you. Have you ever, this is a little slightly off topic, but have you ever, uh, done the couch surfing? Have you ever couch surfed that website? I have, I have mm -hmm. too. So when I was, you know, thankful for there being brave souls, I was thankful for those people who are willing to host a complete stranger, me, because for those people who are listening who don't don't know what couch surfing is, it is a website where it's kind of like Airbnb, except free. Like there's no uh, money involved. The people who are hosting and opening up their homes, um, of course, they have a say so as to who they choose to come in. You can submit a request, and then they can kind of do some some snooping on you. I mean, as far as seeing what kind of reviews you've had from other hosts. Um, so if you didn't pick up after yourself and you damaged their property, they're very much within the right to say, decline. <laughs> decline. Yeah. You're not coming into my home. But the people who are hosting do so because they are usually people, people. They love uh, 
just the interactions and feeling enriched by people outside of their normal circle coming into their lives with new customs or language or stories. A lot of them, they just love stories and getting to know new people, which yeah. can kind of relate to because I have a podcast that I like to get to know people in, but I'm not opening up my own. <laughs> yeah. But I know I've always thought about being a host and then there's part of me that's just like, I don't think I could do it. I've benefited from this and I've been in other people's homes, but that it takes a lot of like trust to be able to do that. I yeah. just don't know if I'm there yet. <laughs> right, right. What's your favorite thing to, to photograph? My favorite thing to photograph is people. Um, I just feel like it's so interesting to see the different kinds of stories that come through without any language. And I like to capture people's expressions. And I also really like working with people with the camera because I feel like in the beginning, usually, unless you're a trained model or someone who poses in front of the camera a lot, in the beginning, there will be this kind of tension or um, maybe discomfort. And then I get to see throughout the shoot how they transform. Mm. And usually by the end, people are like, oh, I'm just going to get naked. I'm ready. <laughs> and it's so fun just to see how people can, once they start to feel good in their body and feel comfortable, um, then they just feel so much more confident. And I think once they get those photographs too, then they, they have a little piece of confidence that they can always look back on. That is so true. It reminds me that one of my friends who has a podcast, and I'm just looking it up real quick, uh, she has the Inside Out podcast. Her name's Brittany Critella, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but she had an October 18th episode called Finding Your Sexy with Boudoir. I'm not, I'm, how, how do you pronounce that? Boudoir. Boudoir photographer, yeah. Misty Higgins. And, um, it, I honestly, I didn't listen to that part of it, but I listened to part of another episode where she talks about almost being a, like a spiritual experience. There was something so fundamentally like a, a shift that took place where she felt sexy and there's value in feeling sexy because there maybe sexy is not even the right word, but you feel like vitality. You feel this wholeness within yourself. You are you, you have something to offer. You are a presence to yeah. be reckoned with. She was just talking about how, especially after she had a, um, a miscarriage, there was a lot of, there's a huge dynamic there of the body, just kind of feeling angry. And I can even put myself in her shoes because I've never had to deal with that thankfully but I can imagine all about the the stuff that comes along with that with the your your body image and your relationship issues come into that and mm -hmm. it was just very healing on a, like a soul level for her to have this yeah. session that other people might be like that's a little too much or whatever but it was it was so much more than just creating a a sexy calendar for your husband or whatever. Totally. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, I think do you, I, you do that kind woman, of photography as well. Yeah, yeah, I've done boudoir in the past, and I do branded photo shoots too that are more like a campaign for whatever um, the brand is and some product stuff. But boudoir is really fun, and I feel like uh, I I think every woman should have well every every one. I think men should have them too if they want. Um, have photographs of themselves that maybe they don't even share with anyone else. It's just for them to look back on at some point and like just feel like they can see themselves really clearly. I know my mom always talks about regretting that she doesn't have anything like that because she was she was insecure and afraid to get her photo taken. And now she's like, I don't know why I didn't believe that I was beautiful then. I wish I would have had my photo taken. And and that like kind of stuck with me to just embrace the present moment because you, I mean, you're always changing and shifting. And it's kind of fun to see like the progress of time through photographs as well. Um, yeah, I, I like guess that. that's how they tell stories. Yeah, I like what you said about um, the right picture anyway, it can help someone see themselves. And uh, mm -hmm. I know some people, when they go back and look at pictures, just regular photographs they can tell you what they were feeling in that moment and that they were smiling on the outside but on the inside it was a completely different story they did not feel safe to emote or be that emotion or whatever they were feeling at that time that they were just great pretenders I'm recalling a specific conversation um but yeah so if you have a picture that clearly mirrors your strength or that spark you know that divine spark in each of us something that kind of captures just a glimpse of that I think it's really beautiful I love black and white photographs of people's faces do you yeah like black and white photography oh I love black and white I feel like I used to shoot mostly in black and white and then kind of have transitioned to color a little more um but black and white on film is so beautiful. I love using my film camera to shoot black and white. But yeah, I think kind of what you were saying about the right moment in time and feeling like you can always look at a photo and know exactly what you were feeling. I also like to promote the idea of people taking their own portraits, self-portraits, and using it as a way to deal with whatever emotions are coming up. And coming back to that alchemy value of alchemizing what you're feeling into art by taking your own portraits and being able to take, whether it's a difficult emotion or a happy emotion or whatever it is, and, and just taking those photos for yourself and using the whole process as a way to kind of work through, work through those emotions. And it's kind of like therapy, but more exploratory. I, I love photographs. I love taking pictures and I have always loved taking pictures. And so whenever we have a family get together, they know I'm going to be the person that wants, that makes everyone, I corral these 30 people together and take a group family picture. And so in a way I've kind of had that role of family historian in that I, I'm the one that usually takes the pictures. And so unfortunately, like when it comes to someone passes and they're looking for pictures for the funeral often it's a picture I've taken 
or they'll come to me asking for pictures because they know I'm, I'm usually the one that's, that has them. Mm-hmm. I will say that probably in the last, at least last 10 years, I probably take fewer photographs because I think I'm just trying to be more present in the moment. And I don't know what was happening when I was taking a picture, but I think it was more of me trying to cling to Mm. something. Um, Maybe that doesn't make sense, but there was some type of, oh gosh, I'm not just exactly sure, but I decided to kind of put the camera away and just be more in the present moment and less in that fear mentality of not catching that shot or, you know, missing out on something and just really allowing myself to be, uh, say someone were to come in with a camera, allowing myself to be in that, that picture, as opposed to the one being behind the camera. Yeah. Because, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I loved taking pictures so much that I even initially started a a business, um, just a side little gig to see if I could get business and I was hoping it would be my full-time thing but really that was a pipe dream because um I couldn't get some people um like they love something but they just can't get the nuts and bolts of it and that was me Mm -hmm. I love taking pictures I think I had a general good eye for angles and stuff like that but when it came to adjusting the shutter and the speeds and all these things that came with a camera, I was at a loss and I would try to read and study. And it was like this block just came over. I was like reading a different language. It was not soaking in and Mm. maybe a good eye can get you just so far, but it's not going to serve you professionally. You need to know your lights and you don't have your little meters and that kind of thing. And I was not able to get it. I just wasn't. And so I think I finally took down my, my Facebook uh, page as a photographer when, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. So again, this was probably 12 years ago now um, that I took it down. But yeah, there was that first, um, that first inquiry. And of course it was a gentleman who was requesting a special type of photograph Oh my God. For his girlfriend. And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be in this space. This is not, (laughs) this is not what I envisioned doing with my photography business. And if that's the only kind of clientele that's going to be calling me, I need to just keep it as a a hobby and, and that's it. (laughs) So that's where it's, it has stayed and stayed as a hobby. Well, honestly, I think hobbies too. Are, I don't know why. I feel like the word hobby kind of gets looked down on. Like we need to turn everything into a side hustle, <laughs> everything that we enjoy, you know? Yeah. I think there is something so freeing about something just being a hobby. I think it makes it almost more fun because there's less pressure for it to be like some I way to, to make stay money. fun. Yeah. I wanted it to yeah. stay fun. I didn't want it to get, I didn't want to get so bogged down in the details and the science of it. And I know for some people that just enriches it, right? For me, it was taking away from it. And so, 
Yeah, I wanted it to stay fun. But I love that you said that. Okay, because you wouldn't know this, but that plays in so well. So I had an Akashic Record reading with someone a couple, like four weeks ago now. And I was talking about like all these things, all these offerings that I'm trying to put out into the world, like nothing's happening with them, (laughs) seriously. And so I was asking about that if I was meant to... Okay, if an invitation, because I'm, I'm a projector, I was asking if the invitation is ever going to come to either collaborate or, or something. And the answer was kind of like, the answer was basically no, that that would <laughs> not be coming. And that she, the reader, she saw my hobbies. And I was like, oh, I was immediately disappointed. I said, well, that means I'm not going to make money from it, right? Because hobbies generally has that connotation of not being paid. Because if you were paid, it'd be professional as opposed to a hobby. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the, the whole message there for me in that session was to just pursue what I love, uh, have these hobbies, and that gives me the freedom to change because I do get bored easily as well. So I can, you know, maybe change from different hobbies. And they said that I was looking at it, that I had a human mind problem, a human thinking problem (laughs) by thinking that my hobbies would not provide money or abundance in a way. So Mm -hmm. uh, that I needed to get rid of that human mind problem and look at it my hobbies in a completely different way and not exclude the idea of abundance surrounding my hobbies. So I just loved that you, what you just said about hobbies getting a bad rap. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I've, I think it's part of that like whole hustle and like girl boss culture and, you know, all these things that have kind of happened of everyone being an entrepreneur. So it's like, oh, if I like doing this one thing, I should turn it into a business, but I'm a knitter and I'm not going to try to like (laughs) make that my business. It would take me so long to make one thing that it would not be good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I am, I'm just hearing you so well, like it's landing. This is, oh gosh, because for instance, I, I crochet. (laughs) And so I was, this is really close to home. I crochet. And so I was feeling that pressure. If I like it and I can do it, then why not try and create an Etsy shop and sell these things? And so thank you for that uh, permission, Chelsea, to just not have everything turned into a side hustle. Yeah, sometimes it's just for joy. And I think that that's a good thing. Then at the end of the day, you can do it as a way to relax or whatever brought you to it in the first place. I think having playtime and being a little more in our inner child too is is really nourishing especially right now for sure how can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox well i'm on instagram i have a business account which is n underscore atelier.co And then I also have my personal account, which is more of my photography work, which is my middle name, Natiel, N-A-T-T-I-E-L. And 
that's usually where I share most of my work. And then I also have my website, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and I have a monthly, well, it's kind of like a bi-weekly newsletter. So every month I'll send out, at the beginning of the month, I'll send out an inspiration um, post that has a roundup of all the things that are inspiring me for the month. And usually there's some sort of theme. And then I create a mood board and a playlist that would kind of act as a brand inspiration. And then I share that at the beginning of every month. And those are on my blog as well. So if there's anyone who's looking for some branding ideas, those monthly roundups are a really good place to look because there's just so many different mood boards and color palettes on there. And there's fun playlists too. So if you want to get into the the mood of the the whole feeling you can listen <laughs> well, one of the things I wanted to talk about earlier is we were discussing like co-creating in these um shared spaces yeah but, uh, I was looking today and I have not released an episode since November 5th so for me this is quite a bit of a dry spell but yeah. I what occurred to me is that if I was listening to myself I, the only way I would get motivation is in an interaction with someone else. Like I am honestly tired of coming to the microphone by myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I think there for the longest time I was doing solo episodes and that felt right for me at the time because I had something on my heart that I needed to piece together and vocalize. But now I'm in this season where I just feel like if I'm not getting that chance to interact with someone in the podcast, then at least in the present moment, I'm able to work through these other things on my own outside of the podcast, or maybe I, had, maybe I just haven't had any aha moments. Everything's still being woven together. That could be mm -hmm. true too, but I'm really excited that hub, the Holisticism Hub has introduced me to people such as yourself who are willing to come onto the podcast and talk about what they're doing, because that gives me an opportunity to come back to the microphone and feel that, that desire to, to talk to the listeners again uh, and introduce you guys to them. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was the newsletter. Do you find a lot of value in a newsletter? And I'll preface this with I was listening to someone just today in that they are going from their normal YouTube video format to their email list. And I've heard other people talk about it, how that is the, that's the goal. That's where the gold is, is your email list. And mm. the person I was listening to today who said that she was going to be going more to an email list or a newsletter was that it felt more intimate. Um, like she had, she found more motivation to get onto her keyboard and type out something that felt more intimate and special as opposed to, and people who wanted to, to subscribe to her email list, as opposed right. to putting something out on YouTube that is subject to all kinds of metrics and formulas and things like that, that might not even get to the people who want to see your content. So I don't know, how do you, do you feel that same way about newsletters that that's kind of like the way to go? Yeah, I think so. And I think, again, like talking about the strategy for a projector who owns their own business, 
and the marketing and finding a different way to do it. I think the email feels like, like it's within my strategy as a projector because people are inviting me to speak to them by joining my list, right? Mm -hmm. So they're coming along because they're interested in something that I'm doing and I just keep doing it every week or every month. And, and then they can either choose to stay on board or leave. Um, so I think that works for me. It just feels nice and natural. And I do think it has a more intimate feeling. And I've noticed particularly over the last year on Instagram, the amount of people who see any of the things that I post, those numbers keep getting smaller and smaller. And I had a pretty small audience to begin with. So it just feels like that takes a lot of time and effort to put that work out there. And I put a lot of thought and intention into it. And it just feels like the newsletter is going to be more, more beneficial for me in the long run, because those people are choosing to be there and it's in their inbox, which I feel like is their also their own safe space. Yeah. So like they can open it on their time and interact with it. Maybe they want to save it for Friday evening with a glass of wine or however they choose to read their emails and they can do that in their safe space, which also feels like a nice exchange to me because they can choose those boundaries. Yeah. And the lady I was listening to today, I think she goes by the handle of she Maverick. She's an astrologer. She was saying that with the changing algorithms on Instagram, there was less and less engagement. So that sounds like you echo that. I have a newsletter that I have allowed to uh, not really do much with that. I mean, I've sent out maybe three newsletters since I've created my email list. Maybe I just need to concentrate and put more of my in time, my time invested in that as opposed to other things. Especially so. if you love writing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, I love how in the lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends his pods asking his guests this question. So I'm including it in mine. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? Ooh, um, I feel like teachers and teachings are kind of always changing for me. So I'll just mention ones that I think stand out for the last year or two, particularly, that I feel like I've been working with most recently. I would definitely say Michelle from Holisticism is one of my biggest teachers as far as running my business. And I feel like she's really helped give me permission to run my business in a way that feels good for me and has opened my eyes also to just being a little more cognizant of what other people need, not just putting something out there because I want to, but doing it when there's a need there. So I really appreciate a lot of the things that I've learned from her and in the whole holisticism community. So my second teacher that I discovered, I think January of last year, is this woman named Desiree Pace, who has this course called Benchen. And it's a one month long course. And it's meditation, breath work, kundalini. Um, and she also just talks about building up your system so that you can call in the things that you want for your life. 
and her practice is very feminine and sensual and it just really resonated with me and it's helped me a lot and I've only done it a couple of times because it's a little bit expensive but it's definitely worth it because it's helped me establish a morning practice and then my third is probably my grandmother <laughs> I feel very close to her even though I'm physically not because we're living in different countries but she has always been one of my biggest inspirations she was also a photographer and she's just a very creative person who's always curious and learning new things and has like a hundred projects going at once so I love just being around her and watching how she does things and hopefully I can be like that too <laughs> I love that the whole idea of mentors I think from my it may have been my second guest I think anyway she was you know uh slightly older woman and she was talking about how that people her age needed to realize what they are because you don't start off as a mentor you don't start off with gray hair or whatever yeah. but so sometimes you're like where when have i crossed that that boundary where i can be a mentor when especially when you feel like life does to all of us. Sometimes we're like, we feel like we're starting from scratch. Like we know nothing, <laughs> Yeah. but there is enough life experience that at some point that other people are looking at you and for you mm -hmm. to really step into that and, and be willing to be a mentor, to share what mm -hmm. knowledge you have, because, um, especially I hope this is not true, but I'm thinking systemically older women they have a tendency to feel like they're pushed to the side or they're not seen because they have wrinkles or whatever, but they are so valuable and just them being willing to step into that mentor role, knowing that they have something to offer to younger women yeah. and, and instead of just keeping it to herself. Cause she was, she was thinking about that. I think that if you're not just a know-it-all <laughs> and miss bossy pants, you might have a tendency to think that I don't really have anything to share or they wouldn't want to hear from me, you know, who am I? But she was yeah. really seeing the value in stepping into being a mentor and finding those people, mentors, because she was talking about how that was one of the best things in her life was when one of her teachers was a mentor. I hadn't even been familiar with the word mentor. I mean, I was familiar with it, but I had never actually seen, um, I had never heard anyone really use it in real life. Yeah. <laughs> mentor, you know, what's that? You can have yeah. a teacher because often there's that money aspect, right? Are you paying for it? You're a student and there's a teacher and right. mentor can still be like that. I mean, there could still be some type of monetary exchange, but it just feels more of like a long-term give and take, like a, a relationship wise, as opposed yeah. to setting someone on a pedestal or just dishing money out. Right. So anyway, I, I know you didn't use that word, but I felt like your grandmother was in that role of a mentor for you. And so I was just yeah. trying to make it applicable for other people to, because Maybe your grandma would be welcome to them learning from her, but if not, 
they can find their own mentors and women who are embodying and living life. I think that's, yeah. And I would also say, I think it's important if we're younger and looking up to these older generations, I think it's kind of our responsibility as well to offer that invitation and to ask them questions and to invite them into the conversation. Because I do think our culture has really shut off the older generations and that wisdom's going to die with them if we don't ask those questions. So I try to make sure every time I see my grandmother, I ask her questions about her past, like what she's interested in, if she ever practices magic, and if so, like, what does that look like for her? And try to just get all of these answers to things that I know I will wish that I had if I didn't ask her and she was gone. Because I think they also are looking for that invitation to be able to share their story and their wisdom. And, but that's also our responsibility to ask. Yeah, what it, what's a, uh, coming up for me is that I guess I appreciate that reminder because I think we come from just Google it generation. Like we feel as though if we have a question or we don't know how to boil a pot of water <laughs> or, you know, how to cook an egg or how to sew a stitch or something that instead of asking, we should just go to the internet and find out mm-hmm. because there's some shame around not already know, not already being this wealth of knowledge. Like we're still learning, you know, even though yeah. in my case, I'm 40 years old, like there's some things that fall through the cracks and you just don't know. And yeah, yeah if you have a mentor in your life that you could ask and have them show you as opposed to uh, going to the to the internet and maybe or maybe not getting it <laughs> right that'd be good yeah and there's so many sources out there I mean I've had professors who kind of play a similar role but yeah so if your grandparents are still around <laughs> definitely mm-hmm. ask them Well, I want to thank you, Chelsea, so much for joining me in Chefie's Sandbox. And this was just really cool because, I mean, it was something of a gamble. I didn't know anything about you except that you were a photographer and brand designer. And I think the conversation went really well. I had fun. Yeah, so yeah I did too. For taking me up on the invitation and being here today. Yeah, thank you so much, April. It was really nice to meet you.